as we venture into the murky waters of everything you've been told never to bring up at holiday dinner. You'll meet a guy, someone you can trust, a battle-tested, common-sense leader who knows that an extra pair of dry socks just might save your life. That wise old sage has arrived, and he is shouting the Schmidt Show battle cry. Schmidt heads unite! Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, time-appropriate greetings, depending on when and where you are listening to The Schmidt Show. Thanks for joining me this morning. The Mueller Report, Notre Dame, the media, all kinds of fun stuff going on today on The Schmidt Show. Oop, let's get that. We don't need that playing or stopping. There we go. Let's get that out of there. We, um, I think we've got all the bugs worked out. I think we've got all the uh, all of the stuff taken care of. And I think we are finally on the path. We've got the video stuff worked out. We've got the computer that was running the video um, all sorted out. Um, as you will see, unfortunately, though, this morning we have no Hig in studio, but Hig is joining us via uh, remote connection. So, uh, Hig, are you there with me? Can you hear me? I can't hear you if you're connected. I hope you're connected. It says you're connected. Maybe shoot me a message in Telegram and we can verify that. You're Let's try connected. that button. There you go. You got to actually turn the microphone on. How are we doing the this wrong, morning? I hit. I hit the wrong button. <laughs> I. Uh, I didn't. My. 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 Uh, yeah, I wasn't doing my Hig duties. I apologize. All right, you you got to you got to stop hitting the wrong button. That's my job. <laughs> that is that is the goal of of the of the Schmidt head to hit all of the wrong buttons at once. So um, you can't hit wrong buttons. That's that's what I'm supposed to do. So anyway, Hig is joining us remotely this morning. So thank you, uh, Noah, for uh, for joining again this morning. We're going to talk a little bit about the Mueller report, as I mentioned. We're going to talk a little bit about Notre Dame. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on Notre Dame. Um, I released a really short video, just a quick cell phone video of my thoughts on Notre Dame uh, over the weekend or earlier, or sorry, maybe late last week. So um, it was uh, obviously a tragedy to see the the cathedral at Notre Dame um, burned and and the the damage that's been done to that building. So we're not going to spend a lot of time on that, but I do want to just reiterate a few thoughts on that. We're going to talk a little bit about the media and the way the media has handled the Mueller report. Um, I've got a couple of extra links in the um, in the in the show notes this week for those that listen on the download um, or listen to uh, the podcast through schmidtshow.com uh, or um, through podcast.theschmidtshow.com or whatever. So I've got some interest or some extra links. I'm not sure if we're going to have time to talk about them, but there's other things going on around uh, the world and the country other than the Mueller report and other than Notre Dame. One of them being some of the uh, the crisis that is hitting San Francisco. So I've got a link about some of that. Um, of course, um, Noah, it's interesting. You and I um, talked a little bit this morning about some of the stuff with uh, the issues of prostitution and legalizing prostitution and, and some of that. And I've actually got a story um, in the uh, in the links about um, about that 
issue about Bob Kraft and uh, his situation, uh, Bob Kraft, the owner of the uh, New England Patriots uh, football team. So uh, if we get time, I might touch on some of those as well, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time um, on either of them, even if we do have time to get to them. So, Sounds um, good. Yeah, so starting with the Mueller report, I found an interesting article. I believe this is from the National Review um, it was titled, The Mueller Report, Report Ex- Exposes the Absurdity of the Governing Class. And, and it, the opening line in this was, was, uh, was interesting to me, or the, I'm sorry, the opening uh, paragraph was interesting to me. It said, The release of the Mueller Report this week was a revelatory moment for me. I realized that some time ago, apparently, I crossed a political Mendoza line where I'm now more disgusted by Donald Trump's opponents than I am by Trump himself. Now, for me, I have been a pretty outspoken um, never-Trumper, especially leading up to the campaign. I've also, though, tried to be honest about the the Mueller stuff and the Mueller report and, and tried to be honest about Donald Trump's uh, failings and at the same time be honest about his, his accomplishments. I, I think that's one of the things that has frustrated me a little bit about the, about the, um, the, the, the never Trump crowd that I used to kind of claim to be a part of is that they seem so unwilling to acknowledge that Trump can do anything right or anything good. Like it's, they've almost aligned themselves with the radical left um, in the idea that Trump is all bad all the time and can never get anything right. And, and I just can't get to that point for me. Um, having been a never Trumper, I was a, a huge Ted Cruz supporter. I was I was uh, fortunate enough to get an interview with Ted Cruz and Carly Fiorina when when they were uh, still in the game, as they say, in the election cycle. Um, but once Donald Trump took office, I, I I I had to at least acknowledge that. Well, hey, I, you know, not my choice, not my first choice, but he is our president now. And if I say the things that I say and believe the things that I really believe are true, then my hope is for Donald Trump to go down in history as the greatest president the country's ever seen. I said the same thing about Barack Obama. I don't have to like the guy. I don't have to like his policies. But my hope is that he goes down in history as the greatest president the United States has ever seen. Because if he is successful... That means the United States is successful. If the United States is successful, then that means the state that I am living in will likely also be successful. Therefore, my community will also be successful. Therefore, I will be successful. I, I would never hope for a president to fail um, because in hoping for a president to fail or hoping for an elected leader to fail, it, it is somewhat like hoping the plane that you are flying on, you hope the pilot dies because you don't like the pilot. Well, if the pilot dies and the plane crashes, that's not good for you. Your hope should be that he suddenly learns to become the greatest pilot this world has ever seen. So, um, and it, and I know that's somewhat of a silly kind of a connection and a silly kind of illustration, but it makes the point like 
why would you want to see the ship that you are on sink? That just doesn't make sense to me. So I've tried to be that way with Donald Trump and acknowledge when Donald Trump does something well, does something right, makes a, a positive move, but at the same time, be honest and, and an honest critic when he does something wrong. But this, this, um, that article, I don't think could have said it any better for me. That I mean, that statement that I'm finding myself more disgusted by Donald Trump's opponent than I am by Donald Trump himself. I am a family man. I have a, a wife, um, a daughter, a son. And if, if anyone that I knew or, well, for that matter, if anyone that I didn't know treated my wife or my daughter the way Donald Trump has treated his wives in the past— I would be furious. I would I would not approve of, I would not accept and would not um be I, I just I, I I wouldn't allow that kind of behavior to go on. I wouldn't allow someone to treat my family the way he has treated his his ex-wives and such. And and if if my son were to get on Twitter and tweet out some of the things that he would has tweeted out, I would say, hey. Come on, knock that off. You can't act like that. Grow up, be an adult. You're 17 years old, you know, whatever that whatever that conversation would look like. And and so I, I'm it's not lost on me that Donald Trump has not been the most moral and most upright and and most um uh without spot or blemish kind of leader. But at the same time, the the disgusting attacks upon him and upon his life his family his his experience as a as a business leader the attacks on his his presidency on the attacks on the nation disguised as attacks on him um has become so just so mind-numbingly aggravating to me that it's it's almost um like I said, it, it, I've become more disgusted with their behavior than I was ever disgusted by Donald Trump's behavior. So this this is a, an interesting place to be for a lot of people like me who, who said, hey, look, I think Donald Trump's a bad idea. I think he's a wolf in sheep's clothing. I think he's a liberal disguising himself as a conservative, disguising himself as a Republican, and he's he's... He's been opposed to um, more liberty and more Second Amendment rights being extended to the American people. He's been pro-choice. He's taken all of these positions that I've adamantly disagreed with in the past. And now I'm finding myself aligning more with him because, for one, he's proven to be much more conservative than I ever expected him to be, which has been a great thing. He's 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 proven to to take positions um, that that I'd been hoping for and praying for Republicans to take for ages. And he's finally doing it. And he's finally working towards actually making some of these um, conservative ideologies, um, not just believable, but applicable and, and actually put, put teeth to the, um, the ideas and things that he's had and that Republicans should be supporting and should have been supporting for decades. Now, Noah, I know you were kind of an early on Trump supporter, um, in, in all of this, you, you kind of adopted or, 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 
you know, what they say, got on the Trump train a little bit before I did. Have, have you been, have you ever been in that point where you, or at that point where I was, where you're just going, this guy's going to be a disaster and ruin the country? No. You no, know, because no, no, and here's why: because we, my only alternative was Hillary Clinton. If I, I was, I, I'll be mm. honest with you: I voted in 2016 anybody but Hillary. That's right. what I voted. I didn't care who it was. I would have voted for. I mean, to steal a to steal a phrase from Democrats, I would have voted for a warm glass of water before I voted for Hillary Clinton. Uh, I, I just, I don't believe, given her track record, I didn't know what Donald Trump stood for. I didn't know how he was going to behave as a president. I didn't know how effective he was going to be as a leader. Here's what I did know. I knew exactly what I got with Hillary Clinton, and I knew mm. I didn't like that. So if Donald Trump, let's just say worst case scenario. Let's just say Donald Trump was a, a, a wolf in sheep's clothing, as you put it, and he comes in and he's this raging liberal that just masquerades around as a Republican, okay? Right. Let me ask you a question. Would he have been any different than Mitt Romney? No, probably would he been any different than McCain? Right. I mean, those guys are liberals in in, in that wear a, that wear Republican clothes, but they're liberals underneath. So I wouldn't have been in any worse boat. I was Trump was a, you didn't know what you got with him, and and I knew that going into it, and I knew that voting for him. But here's what I suspected, and it turned out to be correct was that Donald Trump was going to be the guy that mixed things up. Donald Trump was going to be the guy that did things a little differently. And what's interesting is the media and the left never, I still don't think they figured out, Trump really gets his rocks off on being Trump, right? Like he likes attention. And so when he, and he likes positive attention and right. he likes people praising him. And so if the media had said, if the media ex had accentuated and uh, quote unquote blessed him for the things that they would have liked to see him do, maybe he would have done more of them, right? Like if they had come out uh. and said, if they'd come out and said, listen, uh, you know, just ignored all the stuff they didn't like and focused in on two or three things that they, they could get behind. Like, look at the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, uh, take home wage or whatever for for um, for family leave. Oh wage yeah, or the family was. leave act with, that his daughter was promoting, which right. is actually something, believe it or not, that I was not in favor of. Yeah, I wasn't either. It's a leftist idea. It's socialism. Right. So, but but so if they had picked up on that and said, "Listen, here's the great job that Trump is doing. How much do you want to bet he would have doubled down on? Oh, the media likes these liberal ideas, and when I do them." They reward me for it. Here's the problem. No matter what he does, it's the opposite, right? right. Trump could cure cancer tomorrow, and you would have leftists uh, bragging about cancer rights. You right. know, I yeah. have a right to my tumor. I yeah. who is he to tell? Or they me would I call him bigoted tumor? against abnormal cells or something like that. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but I really believe that's <laughs> yeah. where we're at. So I mean, so yeah. I, I, no. Did I? Did I? Was I? Was I a? Was I? A, you know, a, a really passionate Trump guy when I went into the 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 ballot box in 2016. No, have I been 110 percent pleased with my selection ever since? Yeah, I don't think we've had a conservative president like Trump since Reagan. Uh, and frankly, some of the things that Trump was doing is even more conservative. Right. So, I w will I vote for him in 2020? You better believe it. And I have a the largest Trump poster <laughs> money can buy yep. up in my living room because I am so proud of what this guy has yeah. done. You know, and it's funny, I've actually gone on the air on my terrestrial show several times and, and had to do it a few times in the first, you know, there's always the, the, the discussion about the first hundred days of the presidency and whatnot. And, and there have been times 
where I've got on my terrestrial show. I don't know that I've ever done it here on the podcast because we have we didn't start the podcast till sometime into um, Trump's administration and Trump's presidency. But on the uh, on the terrestrial show, which, of course, if you want to listen into the Schmidt Show on, on terrestrial radio and you can tune in to 1310 KNOX AM in Grand Forks, North Dakota, or 1079 KNOX FM in Grand Forks, North Dakota, you can do that every day, Monday through Friday, 3, to, uh, 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. Central Time. If you can't tune in locally you can go to their website it's canoxradio.com and then just click on the listen live button you can you can find me three hours a day every day that way as well and a little bit more interaction with the listener phone calls and things like that as well but um on my terrestrial show speaking of that as i as i give the shameless plug for my radio show the um the on there i i actually went out and and kind of made a public apology and said look i absolutely a thousand percent believed that trump was going to be an unmitigated disaster and in in fact the argument that i made early on before the election was that in 1854 uh, 1856 in that presidential election the republicans ran a candidate was their very first candidate he was a nobody and they knew he was a third party candidate they knew he wasn't going to get anywhere um, but the 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 Whigs were so bad they didn't want anything to do with that. So they they kind of ran a sacrificial lamb candidate in in 1856, and it wasn't until 1860 that the Republicans became a viable party, and they ended up winning the election, of course, with Abraham Lincoln and all of that. And then from 1860 until the early 1920s, there was only one Democratic president, and and a lot of the the uh, conservative judges and things that we saw in a lot of the conservative decisions that we saw were a result of that 70 years-ish of Republican rule in the White House. And part of the argument that I even made was we might be better off with Hillary for four years because it will then maybe lead to another 70-year period of of Republican rule and Republican judges and Republican appointments to all these various cabinet positions. And I actually made that argument. And I actually then had to go on my radio show and say, Look, I was wrong. I, I was absolutely a hundred percent wrong. I thought for sure that Trump would no- nominate, you know, m- moderate judges. You know, maybe another Ginsburg because I believe Ginsburg was was nominated by Reagan, wasn't she? Um, am, am I right on that? No, it wasn't Ginsburg nominated by Reagan. I'm not sure. I was actually googling I, it. I think Ginsburg. I think Ginsburg was nominated by Reagan, if I remember correctly. But you get the point. Like I, I didn't figure he was going to nominate the judges that he. Jimmy nom- Carter. Was it Carter? There was one that Reagan nominated that just turned out to be a total flop, and I can't remember which one it was. Um, but anyway, the the. Um, um, the thought was, I didn't really believe that he was going to nominate conservative judges. I didn't really believe that he was going to do any of the things that he claimed he was going to do. And I was wrong. And I had to, I had to acknowledge that and admit that in the interest of honesty, because if I don't have my credibility in, in saying, Hey, I got it wrong. Well, then why would you believe me when I actually get it right? So, um, so my my surprise with Donald Trump has actually been quite positive. Um, yet at the same time, I still feel this kind of. I wish he would do things a little bit differently. But then again, if I if I if I'm honest again with myself and and with you, the listener, I, I wonder. Um, if he did things differently, would he have won? 
if he had been more presidential, if he had been more professional, if he had done less of the the tweeting and all the things that we all say that we're frustrated with, we all that we all say we wish he wouldn't do, would he ever been actually elected in the first place? You know, I, I think part of the I think part of the the mystique and part of the attraction to Donald Trump is that is a little bit of that rawness and a little bit of that maybe, um, you know, cowboy gunslinger, you know, kind of just throw it out there and see what sticks kind of mentality. Would you agree with that, Noah? 100%. So then the next question becomes for me with, with Donald Trump and his just being Donald Trump, right? Him just being the Donald. Like, where does that take us in in 2020? Because we know the media is going to attack that and they're going to try to use that against him. And it doesn't matter who the, the Democrat nominee is. They're going to try to use his, his, his um, brashness, his rawness, his harshness against him. And from a political strategist standpoint, if I'm, if I'm, you know, counseling a Democrat candidate, I'm going to say, stay away from that. That's what people love about the guy. Stay off of that. Get away from that. Get away from the Mueller report. Get away from the collusion stuff. Get away from the obstruction of justice stuff. Get away from any of this, this stuff that you think you've got the smoking gun that's going to be the 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 final uh, nail for Donald Trump or the final bit of evidence. You're that- already seeing that. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, AOC. I saw an interview AOC did uh, with I think it was Yahoo. It's interesting. Yahoo has their own podcast network now, and I was watching an interview that AOC did with them. And, you know, they asked her, hey, you've kind of quieted down on the whole collusion stuff. And she I mean, she had nothing to say. She's just, yeah, I don't believe in I don't believe there's any collusion anymore. I mean, she just she dropped it like a hot potato. And I think part of that is they figured out that if they keep this up, they're gone in 2020. I and this is somewhat off subject. I wasn't really planning on talking about this. I, w- I was actually having this conversation with my my son, who will be able to vote in his first presidential election in the next cycle. Uh, my daughter will be voting as well, of course. And and they both kind of said, "I don't even know who the Democrat candidates are." I know Amy Klobuchar from Minnesota, of course. Bernie Sanders, I think, has thrown his hat in the ring again. Um, this Buttigieg guy, he's a was like a mayor in Indiana somewhere. Um, I don't know. Did Beto O'Rourke actually throw it? Did he actually make an announcement? Like, oh yeah, don't even know who any of the candidates are. Like, none of them seem to be standing out as a as a like a legitimate viable contender at this point. They they they're they're out there. I, I you know here's here's to me here's what's more interesting. What's more interesting is how the Democrats are ignoring some of their female candidates who, quite frankly, have never lost an election in favor of Beto O'Rourke, which he couldn't even win a Senate election. Now he thinks he's going to run for president. Right. And you got Bernie Sanders, who couldn't even get the nomination last time, albeit not his fault, Hillary's fault, but it is what it is. Right. You know, uh, um, why aren't they taking their women candidates more seriously? Yeah, and and I don't – that's a good question. I'm not really sure – I'm not even really sure I have an answer for that other than – the 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 female candidates seem to be the most extreme of of all of them. You've got uh, you've got Klobuchar, 
Um, you've got Elizabeth Warren. You've got um, who's the other uh, Kamala Harris. Um, they have some of the most extreme positions, and and it's funny that they try to brand Donald Trump as this radical extremist, right? They try to brand Donald Trump and Republicans in general as the radical extremists. And in fact, um, I'll have to maybe see if I can find the article and put a link to it in the show notes as well. But um, there was a study done recently, I think as recently as 2017, that showed that it was actually the Democrats that are that are becoming more and more radical and farther and farther away from the center. And it's actually the conservatives, it's actually the Republicans that are moderating. They try to paint the conservatives, and you see the media do this all the time. You see CNN and MSNBC try to paint any conservative as this radical, far-right, ultra-right, fascist, you know, Nazi kind of ideology, excuse me, ideology. And in reality, what they're finding is that the conservatives and the Republicans are the ones that are actually moderating. You're seeing conservatives come to the center on gay marriage. You're seeing conservatives come to the center on you know, legalization of marijuana. You're seeing conservatives come to the center on on some of the issues of taxation and and things like that. And it's actually the 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 media kind of pushing this narrative that it's the conservatives, that it's the Republicans that are radical, but it's actually the Democrats who are moving farther and farther to the left towards socialism, towards um, even even borderline communism. And because what a lot of folks don't recognize is that. Even kind of the author of modern socialism himself, Marx said essentially that, and, and I don't remember the exact quote, but he essentially said that 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 socialism, the only purpose of socialism is that it leads to full-on communism. You know, there, the, and and this idea, the myth that there is some sort of democratic socialist is 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 absurd in and of itself. Because I mean, if 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 the if the taxes or the ta- sorry, the tax laws say that I have to pay this amount of tax. If I don't pay it, there's going to be guns, guys with guns that show up and and take it, right? I mean that that's that there is no democratic socialism except that you can democratically vote to steal your neighbor's property is essentially what it becomes. So um, yeah, that's a that's a a whole other mess. One of the things, uh, no, I've I got another link. There was a it was an article about some of the things that the media has ignored in the in the um, in the the uh, Mueller report. Let me ask you. I read parts of it. I read large parts of it in some places in 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 search for things that I found to be interesting or important and, and other large parts of it, I completely ignored and didn't read at all. Have you read any of the Mueller report? Have you spent any time digging into it? I did. I, uh, I, I haven't read, you know, word for word, the entire thing, right? but I've gone through enough of it to, to have made a couple of determinations. One is I don't care what anybody says about about the nature of Donald Trump's character. The reality is he didn't do anything illegal. And if you go through the quote-unquote questionable parts of the report, did he maybe try? Yeah. Did a lot of people try and stop him? Yeah. Is that why he probably pays advisors is to so that he can say, hey, would this work? And then his advisors can say, no, we're not doing that. That crosses a line. Yeah. 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 You know, and, and it's interesting too, the the speaking of, of that and, and the advisors and, and people telling him no, we're not gonna do that or whatever, that that whole issue of obstruction of justice is is an interesting kind of um 
note that's not being acknowledged either is the is the actual um <laughs> to use William Barr's word unprecedented transparency in this one of the things that the media is completely ignored is the 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 Trump administration was given the opportunity by Attorney General William Barr um several times from what I understand the option to allow the the White House and the the Trump administration to redact some of the report they were they were asked if they had anything that they felt that was that was um, either dangerous or you know cons- uh, what's the word I'm looking for um, s- national security issues and things like that I can't think of the word I just completely lost my train of thought on that but they they uh, they were given the opportunity to add redactions to the report and the Trump administration said no nah, we're good you release it however you want like that that statement that that you know honestly not only sorry nope. not only did not only did they not redact anything trump called for the full release of that report before democrats did yeah so if you're a democrat out there saying i want the whole report released i want to see the whole you know what trump beat you to it outside of marine one he stood outside that helicopter and said i hope they just release the whole report i hope they just put the whole thing out in public yeah and 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 the the um the transparency even of william barr like he didn't have to do that press report or press release. He didn't have to have that um that that um what's the, what do they call these stupid things? These where they get together with all the press and um um the press meeting, whatever that can press briefing? Briefing, whatever he was did, he didn't have to do any of that. Because according to the statute, and I actually looked up the statute, um, because the only person I've heard talk about this um, is actually Ben Shapiro um, in his podcast, I think from Thursday, maybe it was from Friday, but he actually it mentioned like, look, the statute is, and he read it and I went back and looked it up. It's like 28 CFR 604 a or something like that. I don't know if that's the exact no- number, but it says essentially in the, in the, the, the code, in the actual law that these reports from, from, um, Mueller are, supposed to be confidential the only reason those because people keep saying and, and, I, and I noticed that Barr actually pointed this out in the press briefing he said you you all keep referring this to this as Mueller's report Mueller's report it's not Mueller's report it's my report Mueller made the report for me it was his job to right. provide me with a report, and it is intentionally supposed to be confidential. He and and Ro- Robert Mueller works for. It was appointed by the Department of Justice, and William Barr is the head of that department. Right. So, if anybody's report, it's William Barr's report. Yep. And if it's not William Barr's report, then it really what it is is the Department of Justice's report. Yep. But you know th- what that what they want is they believe that. Robert Mueller is a guy who has it out for Trump, and so they want to use that as an opportunity to put him in front of a microphone to see if he'll say some bad things about Donald Trump. That's essentially what they wanted. The interesting thing about it is, and James Comey points this out in his book, William Barr has, or uh, excuse me, um, Robert Mueller has distinguished himself throughout his career as being a guy who will do the right thing even if it's unpopular. Yeah. And I think he has I, I actually I kind of question it because I thought, you know, him and Comey are buddies 
and uh, but you know the truth is I think he lived up to that reputation. So here's a here's a quote from um, Glenn Greenwald, and he says, "In sum, Democrats and their supporters had the exact prosecutor they all agreed was the embodiment of competence and integrity in Robert Mueller." He assembled a team of prosecutors and investigators that countless media accounts heralded as the most aggressive and adept in the nation. They had subpoena power, they, the vast surveillance apparatus of the U.S. government at their disposal, a demonstrated willingness to imprison anyone who lied to them, and unlimited time and resources to dig up everything they could. The result of all of that was not a, and this, is the, this was actually in the report, not a single American with whether with the Trump campaign or otherwise, was charged, indicted on the core question of whether there was any conspiracy or coordination with Russia over the election. No Americans were charged or even accused of being controlled by or working at the behest of the Russian government. None of the key White House aides at the center of the controversy who testified for hours and hours, including Donald Trump Jr. or Jared Kushner, were charged with any crimes of any kind and not e- or not even perjury, obstruction of justice, or lying to the Congress. These facts are fatal to the conspiracy theorists who have drowned U.S. discourse for almost three years with a dangerous and distracting fixation on a fictitious espionage thriller involved unhinged claims of sexual and financial blackmail, nefarious infiltration of the U.S. government by foreign villains, and election cheating that empowered an illegitimate president. They got the exact prosecutor and investigation they wanted, yet he could not establish that any of this happened, and in many cases established that it did not like that is that is an incredible incredible response Glenn, and glenn greenwood um is is certainly no fan of the president a, at all glenn greenwell is um uh like well like I say we'll just say it that way he is he is certainly no fan of of the president. So um, there were other things that were, were also being ignored by the media in this story. They, they ignored the, uh, the steel dossier um, and, and some of that. There's actually some that have argued that, that the, um, the, the, the media has ignored the real story of collusion. And and the real story of collusion was the Clinton campaign with the Obama administration to to try to influence the election. A sitting U.S. president using nefarious purposes or using for nefarious purposes the resources at his disposal as the president um, to influence the election, to to somehow change the outcome to prevent Donald Trump from becoming the next president of the United States, even though that was the will of the people. And so this, and and don't even get me started on the, for those of you who are going to try and argue that uh, it wasn't really the will of the people and, and all of that. And we're, we're going to go back to the popular vote and, and all of that baloney, because the truth is um, the, the, the electoral college is, is the only tool we have to to fight populism and and um this this twisted idea that um a pure democracy is is the right approach to 
um, electing the U.S. president. As I've mentioned a million times before, if I've mentioned it once, um, democracy is, as I believe Ben Franklin said, or maybe it was James Madison, I can't remember, one of the founding fathers said, democracy is two wolves and a sheep determining what's for dinner. He said a republic is the she- a well-armed sheep contesting the vote. And, and that's, that's what we want. You know, I, I've heard Noah use the, um, use the statement or, or, or make the, the connection that, that uh, a pure democracy is two pedophiles and a mother determining the age of consent. Um, now, that makes it a little less fuzzy, makes it a little bit gross and a little bit weird, but it's true. I mean, if... If and and if you don't believe it's happening, there's actually a school district in um, California. I can't remember the county. I'll maybe see if I can find the article and put a link to it in the show notes. Um, but the there's actually a school district in California that is beginning to have the discussion, and they are teaching children um, in elementary school that pedophilia is simply a sexual orientation. It's just that's just how some people decide. You know, they, that's just what they, that's just what they, that's their, their bent as far as sexuality goes. So, you know, no big deal. Um, so yeah, the, the, the idea that, um, this is, I kind of got off track there a little bit in that discussion, but this, this idea that the, the media is, is a fair and balanced, um, community and, their their only purpose or their only um discussion is to um hold leaders accountable i mean it's it's such an absurd thought process it's unbelievable um another thing that the the media has um ignored in in some of this um discussion is some of the actual reliable stories um, or, or the stories by reliable analysts in, um, in some of these discussions, like there, there were some folks that, that actually did some genuine analysis of, of all of this prior to, um, the, the silliness of what became the Mueller report. Um, and, and it could have very well caused, um, a lot of bias to be included in the report. And that's one of the things that if you, if you really read through um, the, the Mueller report, one of the things that you will see is that it is, it is incredibly biased against Donald Trump. Um, Mueller, you know, while he couldn't get to a point to say, yes, there was collusion because there was no evidence and he at least had the, the moral character to acknowledge that and that he couldn't get to a a point where he could say yes there was obstruction of justice by the Trump administration or by his people or whatever um he he there's still no question that this was a very anti-Trump biased report uh, Noah when you read what you read of it did you um, did you get that same sense or, or is that just me being biased? Because I'm also willing to acknowledge that I have a bias in this as well. No, I, ha- I got the exact same sense. 
Okay, because uh, th- that was like you you read it and it feels like uh, I love the way this guy in the one article that I posted in the show notes the way he he talked about it. I don't remember the exact quote, but he called it a um, you know it's a it's a it's a spy thriller essentially. You know, it's it's a it's a novel. It would make for a great um, it would make for a great movie or a, or a, a book, but it's it's just pure fiction. Um, let me, That's exactly right. Let me ask you this. We talked a little bit last week about um, Julian Assange, and you and I had a, an interesting and fun discussion about that. Where do you think um, the Assange stuff plays into all of this Mueller report, or does it at all? Are they just two totally separate things except that uh, Assange released some of the WikiLeaks stuff, be, and it was related to the, the Trump and the, the collusion discussion? No, I, I stand by what I said. I think that I think that Trump is going to continue to position himself uh, in such a way that will allow him to, if not pardon, flat out at least allow for some mitigation of what they have to do to Julian Assange. Because I think secretly, I think Julian Assange helped Trump win that election. I mean, I, I don't believe that there was necessarily Russian collusion, but there is no doubt about it that. Whoever it was that got access to those emails helped him win the election. I don't think that can oh, be yeah. denied. I think that's just – I don't think that's collusion, though. I think that's just a, 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 simply a matter of, of expose, though, right? I mean, if, if, if you're, a, if you're a, um, uh, a drug dealer and somebody rats you out, it's not the rat's fault that you got arrested. It's the fact that you were a drug dealer. You know the the sure. the rat just basically brought it to to light that you were what you what you said you were right. I mean that's that's I, I would agree with that. That I, I I absolutely believe that he he was part of the the um, um, the the winning team, if you will, whether he wanted to be or not. Uh, but I think like I said I think it was more of a, a matter of of expose than any sort of collusion. Um, one of the things that that it was also interesting to me, this is an article in The Hill, um, the opening paragraph, and that's just a couple of sentences, is how would you like to spend two years and $30 million assembling a report that concludes you were not needed in the first place? Voila, the Mueller report. Um, it, this really, that really kind of is the end. For me, that was kind of the end analysis of the Mueller report is that it was it was essentially proof that the investigation was unnecessary all the all along. Now one could argue, yes, we got Paul Manafort on some bank fraud stuff, and and Flynn process li- yeah, Flynn pl- pl- lied to whatever, and and so I, I get all of that, but in the end, the the report really is essentially proof of its own unnecessary existence, isn't it? They all, no, there was not a single conviction of anybody related to collusion with Russia or changing votes in the United States. Not one single conviction. All of those people were convicted of white-collar process crimes, the same crimes, I might add, that everybody that worked on the Clinton campaign would have been guilty for as well had they done had they actually gone digging. The problem was, as soon as they got anywhere close to Hillary, then they backed off and went a different direction. What do you think? Because um, as I see this, you know, William Barr, William Barr stands out to me in in this entire discussion as 
kind of the lone adult in the room. You know, he's he's the guy that says, look, here's, you know, like the, even the way he interacted with the one reporter at the press conference, that was the word I was looking for, press conference. The one the one reporter that he interacted with at the, the at the press conference where they said, well, why did you call this unprecedented? And he said, well, was there a precedent for it? And the reporter says, no. And he goes, well, then unprecedented is an accurate description, isn't it? Like he's come out as kind of the the um the 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 lone adult in the room what do you see for 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 william barr in the future does he continue as as the attorney general and just retire in obscurity or do you think uh this ignites a fire in him to maybe uh maybe pursue a political career in other directions I don't think he'll pursue a political career because I don't think a lot of the people that work for the justice system and want to stay apolitical pursue a political career. And the thing that I have a problem with of accusing William Barr of being political or the the notion that he is a Trump loyalist or a Trump guy is we never refer to Loretta Lynch as Barack Obama's head of the Justice Department doing. Mm, I mean, yeah, you know, it's, it's a good point. All of a, yeah. All of a sudden, because, you know, this president is constantly subjected to lines that no other president has ever been subjected to before. Back when Clinton fired, uh, uh, what was the, William uh, Sessions. Oh, yeah. uh, no Jeff relation Sessions. to Jeff Sessions. No, 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 no relation no. to okay. Je Jeff Sessions, but William Sessions. He fired William Sessions. Nobody questioned his ability to do so. But when Trump fires Comey, all of a sudden now... Uh, it's it's that's evidence of collusion or obstruction. Yep. It's absolutely ridiculous. You know, he this, this president gets held to a standard that does not exist with any other president. Well, and that whole the whole firing of Comey, that's another thing that was brought up by Ben, ben Shapiro last week as well as he he actually pointed out in the code and in and because for, for those that don't know, I don't know. I, I, I love following um Ben Shapiro simply because he's for one he's a genius for two he's he's actually a a an educated um, legal expert he he graduated from Harvard Law School and and all that stuff so he he gets this he he is he is genuinely a legal expert he's not just a talking head um, like so many of us in the podcasting world including myself he is actually a genuine legal expert and he actually pointed out in the code that the only time that it would be considered a obstruction of justice. Had had he fired Comey um, or if he chose to fire Mueller or any of the others along the way, which he didn't, but if he had, as long as he fires them in, in the for correct reasons, like he said, he, the way he put it was that even if, if Mueller had come in wearing a, a the wrong color tie that day and Trump didn't like the color of his tie and fired him because of the color of his tie— that's perfectly legal and within his rights because it was the course of his natural duties as the president to to do that. And so his firing of Comey was wasn't even really controversial, like you said, simply because it was part of his duties. That was his job as the president to to hire and or fire the the director of the FBI. And and even Mueller concluded that, hey, Really wasn't anything wrong with it. There was a genuine contention between the two, and and a and a and Trump had legitimate cause to fire him, and you know nothing to see here, move along kind of thing, um, which also speaks to the transparency again, as I mentioned earlier, of Trump and the Trump administration because he had every right 
to to fire so many of these people for a lot of reasons, simply because of the the obvious bias of biased nature of the investigation, the obvious um, essentially a witch hunt, or which we now know, of course, to be a witch hunt publicly, which he which Trump probably knew privately that it was a witch hunt even prior, and so he had every right to fire these people, and and he didn't, and he also had right to simply block the release of the Mueller report in general, just using executive privilege. He would have been completely and totally uh, within his rights as the president of the United States to simply block the release of the report and, and invoke executive privilege. And there was nothing anyone could have done about it, but he didn't, he allowed it to come out. And uh, I think that speaks uh, quite highly of, of Trump's transparency um, in, in all of this as well. So, um, I want to, before we wrap up, because we are running a little bit short on time, I do want to talk a little bit about um, the um, the Sri Lanka bombings um, in in uh, over Easter and on Sunday morning yesterday. Well, for us, it would have actually been here in the U.S., it would have actually been, you know, late Saturday night, if I remember correctly. But for Sri Lanka, it was Easter Sunday morning. Um, the... Bombings, an Islamist group has been already blamed for um, bombings. The death toll has risen to, I believe, somewhere near 300, about 280. Um, I don't have a whole lot of details in all of this. Um, I guess my concern with this is is it it was not just it, it's interesting to point out in light of the of the the events in Paris last week and actually the events in Paris for the last several weeks and and in the events of Paris since actually the beginning of the year um, from what I understand and I might be wrong on this the early indications report anyway and if this changes I will I will gladly you know issue a correction but um, from what I can see in the in the little investigation that I've done is that, these churches in Sri Lanka were specifically Catholic churches. They were attacked specifically because they were Catholic churches. And so um, it, it sheds a little bit of uh, a little bit more um, question in my mind about the validity of the, of the uh, statement that Notre Dame was simply a construction accident or a short circuit wiring issue from from construction or, or whatever. Um, it, what are your thoughts on that? Am I totally cra- Cause I honestly know I genuinely feel kind of crazy to even suggest that, you know, the official reports already and have been since the beginning that Notre Dame was simply an accident, but man, there just something seems off to me about that. Am I just totally out there on that? Well, there's a lot of churches that were lit on fire or that had some sort of demise come to them in a very short period of time. And I think for that reason, it's wise to be skeptical. questioning and skeptical, right? But on the other hand, the other side of that is they believe that they found the cause. They believe that it was an electrical short circuit. And so it requires us, you know, you requires a decent amount of people to be on top of that. So, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I say, I say we continue to, to monitor that and, and, and see what comes out. But no, I don't think you're on, totally out, out on left field. Okay. Because it, it just, like I say, even, even in my, it, it makes me e- un, somewhat uneasy to even suggest that, that this is something other than what the official report 
states because I am I am I am an I'm a I'm a limited government guy. I'm not an anti-government guy. You know, even the founding fathers of the United States, I believe, um, some of the smartest men in the history of mankind, their their first or or first action as after declaring um, independence from from Great Britain, their first action was to implement a government. You know, they, they, they recognized and acknowledged the need for, for leadership and structure and, and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not one of these anti-government guys that just immediately is distrustful of everything the government does. I believe oftentimes most of the, most of the failure of, of government is not due to conspiracy, but due to ineptitude. For the for the most part, um, so it just kind of makes me feel even a little uneasy just to even suggest that boy, it seems off to me. But um, obviously, the tragedy in Sri Lanka is is um, uh, something that we'll be keeping an eye on over the next uh, several weeks as well. But um, did you did you see any of the news on it this weekend? I know you and I were both pretty busy this weekend, and I didn't have a whole lot of time to dig into it. Did you have any time to dig into the Sri Lanka stuff? Nope, no, not okay. even a little bit. Okay, yeah, and I I didn't have a lot either, so like I said, I didn't want to spend a lot of time on it, um, but we are coming up near um, that hour mark, and I didn't want to just ignore um, probably one of the sign- most significant news uh, items of the weekend. Um, the group that's being blamed is an, is an organization called Sri Lanka Thwau Heath Jamath, Jamath, I think is how you pronounce that. Um, it's, it's still obviously in the early, um, stages of the investigation, but they're talking, you know, military grade explosives and, and some, uh, a pretty significant network of, of, um, um, folks to, to be able to have pulled this off the way they did. It was coordinated attacks, um, in, I believe eight different locations was the, was the information I, I was able to, to find on it. So, um, certainly a a bit of a concern. Um, the other, Oh, I, I just about forgot the, I wanted to mention this. There is, um, because I mentioned earlier last week on my terrestrial show um, with the Notre Dame thing that not even necessarily you know Islamic terrorism in the in in the the Notre Dame um, incident, but would it is it possibly related to these yellow vest protesters that have been um, kind of making their voices heard over the last what five or six months I think in France um, and now there 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 were some clashes again over the weekend with yellow vest protesters and and some of the um, the uh, Paris police and now they're upset with the with the um, the fact that there's been over a billion dollars raised or pledged to be um, given for the rebuilding of of Notre Dame and their their argument is that this is just more proof of wealth inequality and I, I just don't I just don't get that argument I, I as I said in my little it is, short it is proof of wealth inequality well it is wealth is not equal right it is or should it be well that's and that's really the key right and and I guess that's the the point that I'm getting at is they claim it's wealth inequality and there's something that we should we should be doing about it and the fact is it just it is what it is and in fact as has been pointed out multiple times by multiple people the 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 simple fact that that um that wealth is unequal is what makes it fair, right? 
you know, typically if, if you and I work for an hour and you get paid $10 an hour and I get paid $5 an hour, well, if you have more skills and experience than I do, then that is entirely fair that you inequally get more wealth than I do. And so, um, but anyway, these, these yellow vest protesters are now, you know, shouting wealth inequality. And and my statement was in my little short cell phone video that I made the other day was that first of all, it's none of my business where anybody gives their money. If you want to donate a hundred million dollars to, um, to the, the, um, to the Notre Dame cathedral, well, then that's totally up to you. Good. Was it, was it, was it, Bill Gates or or Steve uh, or um, one of the one of the big rich guys, one of the most famous rich people, um, pledged a hundred million dollars to the rebuilding of Notre Dame. Um, and so, I mean, so what? It's your money. You do, if you want to donate a hundred million dollars, I don't care. Donate it to them. I mean, I'd love it if you sent me a hundred million dollars. But and and I think that's really what the end of this stuff is with this wealth inequality argument. Is it's not really about wealth inequality. It's about selfishness. It's that somebody else is wealthy and not me. Because I guarantee you, if those same people were the wealthy ones, they wouldn't be arguing. Right? I mean, that's that's just the the, the nature of of how this stuff works. It's ridiculous. So um, then the last thing I want to just touch on as we wrap up here and and uh, and finish the discussion here on the Schmidt Show podcast is um Oh, we got two things actually: homelessness and some of the crisis that is hitting San Francisco. Um, like I said, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this because it's it's it is so absurd; it's almost comical. Um, the uh, one of the things that they are struggling with in um, in San Francisco right now is um, human fecal matter littering the streets. Um, but there is uh, there is an effort by the San Francisco city government to build a homeless shelter um, somewhere in the San Francisco waterfront district. I don't know anything about San Francisco. I've never been there, um, but it could be the site of a new homeless shelter for up to 200 people. And now the residents are mad because they're one5 three, five million dollar townhomes. Um, and they're one point. Let me see this. Listen to this one. Oh, sorry. 1.15. Realtor John Townsend had an article on hand as he showed a 1500 square foot, three bedroom, one bath condo listed. Noah, how many bedrooms is in your house? Five. If you count the ones downstairs, five, if you count the ones downstairs, I live in a three bedroom trailer house. Um, one bathroom, 980 some square feet. How many square feet is your home? Mm, tish, tish under 4,000. Okay. So yours is a little larger because you've got upstairs and downstairs, right? Main, main floor is, is 2000 basement is 2000. Something like that. Right. Okay. So, um, so there is a one point or sorry, a 1500 square foot, three bedroom, one bath condo listed in, in San Francisco's waterfront district. What do you suppose that that's going for? What do you suppose mm, it's listed at? 1.5. 1.15 million dollars. That was close. For a three bedroom condo. A condo, not even yeah, a house. Not, but here's the thing though. Yeah, first of all, I mean, here I I get what you're saying and I don't I don't disagree with your general point, but you have to understand like 
I have been to San Francisco, and the views are breathtaking. Oh, of course. And, and so the free market just says that there's that many people that like. Here's the thing. Yeah, it's a condo. In it's a it's a it's a three bedroom you know condo. But here's the thing. You it, the the notion that it's not worth one point one five million dollars is just simply not true because there are a lot of buyers that would buy it for one point one five million and there's even there's there are a tremendous amount more buyers that would buy it for every hundred thousand dollars you drop it, right? Well and it did actually sell sell above asking price. So so and and here's yeah. and so here's, there's a market for it, right? And here's here's actually my bigger point in all of this is these people that are buying these homes are the ones that are lecturing us oftentimes about about you know taking better care of the homeless people, not paying our fair share, and blah blah blah, and on and on, right? These are the ones that are complaining that 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 we're not doing enough as a nation to take care of the homeless people. Well, until, as we saw with Trump and the sanctuary city stuff, until you say, well, hey, here's an idea. We'll build a homeless shelter for 200 people in your neighborhood, and now they're mad. Well, you're going to ruin the value of my $1.15 million townhome. That's that's what irritates me about this story is that the people who are often lecturing the rest of us about how we need to be more generous and take care of the poor and and try to use the Bible that they don't believe in and 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 um, actually loathe with a, a, an intensity of of hatred, you know, equal to the sun oftentimes are the ones now getting upset when when the city wants to build a homeless shelter in their neighborhood. That's what irritates me about that article. So um, anyway, there's a link to it in the uh, show notes. You can, you can read it uh, if you, if you are interested. Uh, the last thing, um, you know, Noah, we'll maybe have to save this for another, another day. Um, Bob Kraft or Robert Kraft, the owner of the, um, the uh, New England Patriots we know was arrested um, over the, what, about a month ago, something like that. He was arrested for, um, um, soliciting a prostitute down in Florida. Um, and in his, uh, experience, um, he's not gone quietly into the night on this. And there's an interesting article. Um, I'm out of time, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to get too far into the discussion. Um, but the way this writer of this article talks this is uh, this is something we should all be actually somewhat disgusted with, and not actually because of Robert Kraft and his behavior, but the behavior of the the uh, the 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 people involved in charging him with this, and essentially his his argument at the end of the article. And I'll just leave you with this, and and let people read the article and make their own th- opinions on it. But he said essentially. Uh, many are enjoying the whole debacle. Kraft is a very rich man. He's a friend of the president. And who cares if he gets abused by the justice system? Question mark. But, he says, that's exactly backwards. If this is happening to the rich, prominent man with access to the best lawyers and the best PR, what happens to the rest of us? And so uh, read the article. It's an interesting article. I'm not a big fan of Robert Kraft. Um, and and I my initial reaction was this guy should go to jail. Um, and I don't care if he's rich and famous, he should still go to jail. Um, but this article sheds a little bit different light on it. So uh, check that out. As we wrap up the uh, the Schmidt Show, Noah, any closing thoughts as we uh, as we call it a day? No, man, this uh, this was fun. I'm glad I was able to be here, even if I wasn't actually able to be here. Here, let me let me I'm going to change the camera view for those who are watching to your chair so they can see 
There's Noah just in his empty chair. Look, Mom, no hands. <laughs> so, yes, Noah, thanks you for, uh, I know you've got a busy schedule with wife and kids and kids off of school today. And yeah, I, w- I was going to say, it's actually not busy at all. I, I'm watching kids run around well, like crazy. But then so on I, top I'm of that, you're a, you're a business owner and all of the other things you got to do too. So thank you for, for taking an hour out of your day and, and uh, joining me as we uh, do another episode of The Schmidt Show. And we will see you all tomorrow, or I'm uh, sorry, next Monday. I'm Brad Schmidt. The other voice you heard, of course, was the Hig. And uh, that's all. We will see you next week. Join us on all the different social media places, Facebook, all that. Go to Patreon, support us, do what you can to help us out. We'll see you next week.